Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings on this Monday from our Smoothie King Center studios in downtown New Orleans. I'm Sean Kelly, and the Super Bowl has come and gone. The NFL season is complete. I will have withdrawals now, I guess, until July. Um, I think we can all use a little break from football, but what a Super Bowl yesterday. Super Bowl 49 in the books, and the Patriots are champions once again. First time in, I think, a decade. So uh, I, I don't even want to say congratulations to them. <laughs> I think I said on the show last week that what if neither team won? Anyway, I was just really, really happy that it was a great game, a thrilling game that uh, went down to the wire. And, uh, wow, what a decision by the Seahawks. The ramifications will be felt for a long, 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 long time. But uh, a very interesting ball game. Uh, at moments, disappointing. I thought there were some classless moments in Super Bowl Forty Nine. Uh, I won't go into too many specifics, but uh, I, did, I did think that there were some moments that took away from the overall joy of a great Super Bowl, and that's a shame. Um, but otherwise, a record-setting day for Tom Brady. Uh, and, yes, congratulations to the Patriots. They deserve it. I thought we had the two best teams going, and we got a great game as a result and a fantastic job. So with that being said, uh, we'll uh, begin to look toward next season here shortly. One thing that we're going to begin to do today, though, is look back on the Super Bowl of five years ago. Uh, now that Super Bowl Forty Nine is done, complete in the books, and uh, we've gotten past the previews and everything else. Uh, today we'll have a little quick analysis about it from a very key individual. And then after that, we will begin a conversation that will carry us for the rest of the week regarding the uh, five-year anniversary of the Saints World Championship in Super Bowl Forty-Four. We have lined up a number of guys from that team, and uh, we're ready to share some great stories with you. Some of those things have already been recorded, some still to be recorded this week, but um, it is a fun way to look back on it with the guys who were right there on the field and raising that trophy at the end of it uh, to bring the city to a new level. So as exciting as that may be, 
I think that you'll find it as humorous as anything else. Uh, there are some <laughs> good moments. Uh, and today we're going to start the conversation with uh, two great guests. Zach Streif uh, is first up. Not only will he serve as our analyst and give us his thoughts on yesterday's Super Bowl, but he'll begin the conversation about five years ago. He is uh, one of the remaining members on the current Saints roster who are part of that championship team. He'll share some good stories today as well. And then uh, Daniel Salerson sat down last week as we recorded an interview with Jeff Charleston. And so Daniel and Jeff will continue our conversation today. And then we'll turn our attention to basketball because not only is tonight a huge game for the Pelicans, today starts a really busy and crucial week for New Orleans as well. There are four games this week, um, three of which are at home. It starts tonight with the Atlanta Hawks who have won 19 in a row. That is a franchise record winning streak for Atlanta. Uh, they're 35, uh, let's see, 35 and three since starting five and five on the season. Keep that in mind. And they also just set a new NBA record by going 17 and 0 in the month of January. I mean, they are really rolling right now. They're a fun team to watch. They'll be without Tabo Cephalosha, one of their starters tonight. And it looks like Shelvin Mack will be out as well. Um, we'll see how that plays out here on this uh, Monday night at the Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans are coming off of a big, big win, shorthanded against the Los Angeles Clippers on Friday. And so maybe they get to take down another heavyweight tonight and end, be the team that ends the Atlanta Hawks' uh, win streak. It should be uh, – I'm really uh, – you know, I know we're at game 48 and sometimes they run together. This one, though, I'm kind of extra jacked up for. And I'm really pleased to say that Anthony Davis is expected to play tonight. As a matter of fact, Davis, who missed Friday's game with the groin injury, uh, spoke with the media earlier this morning at shoot-around and talked about the prospects of playing tonight against Atlanta. I mean, we got um, great trainers. You know, who knows what they're doing. Um, they get me back on the floor, so I think they did a phenomenal job, and um, I'm ready to go. Your thoughts on facing a Hawks team that, you know, is going for 20 in a row? Well, we're just going to do what we do, you know, um, play hard, defend, um, execute our offense, and you know, try to come out to win. We know everybody's on our team is playing well, playing at a high level, and, um, you know, we're just trying to focus on us and what we have to do um, to get the win. So almost at full strength uh, for the Pelicans tonight. No Drew Holiday, he remains out, but it's uh, – it's the Pelicans who are coming off a 9-6 and six January, a great month, and the 40-win uh, Atlanta Hawk team at 7 p.m. Coverage, of course, on the Pelicans radio network uh, starting at 7. The game's also on um, Fox Sports New Orleans and then nationally on NBA TV tonight. Of course, we'll favor the uh, Pelicans radio network, at least in this format. Uh, and speaking of radio, the uh, radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman, stops by the Black and Blue Report today as well to help us preview tonight's game. So it's a busy Monday for us. It's a busy week for the Pelicans, and it'll be an enjoyable week for all as we look back on five years ago and Super Bowl 44. With that, we'll take our first break. When we come back, Zach Streif to talk about Super Bowl 49 and 44, then Jeff Charleston, and then Steve Holman to talk about the Pelicans and the Hawks tonight at Smoothie King Center. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... <coughs> Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. 
The New Orleans Pelicans are having a sale. Right now, pick any three games for as low as $24 with the Special Man plan. I want to go to the Thunder Bulls and Pacers. You have to see the Special Man. Let him have it. With no problem. Say I say, you say I say. Get your Pelicans three game plan today. See the Special Man. I got the $24. Let him have it. We'll put you in a great seat today with no problem. Visit pelicans.com to get your Special Man plan today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Welcome back to the program. He's a captain, of course, for the New Orleans Saints. He's also a Super Bowl champion, and he helps us kick off our five-year commemoration of Super Bowl Forty-Four. He's Zach Streif, and we are pleased to welcome him in and have him first here on this Monday. Hi, Zach. How you doing, Sean? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Stinchcomb, we'll be talking to him later today. Jeff Charleston's on the show to help us kick things off. Uh, you got a good Jeff Charleston story we can share? Uh, yeah, sure I do. Um, Jeff Charleston, the morning after the Super Bowl, when we were boarding the buses uh, to fly back to New Orleans, which, look, that was a late night. All those guys, um, that, that party goes pretty late. So everyone's kind of kind of tired and groggy. And uh, Jeff Charleston, I'll never forget, Jeff Charleston showed up to the bus wearing just a robe. He didn't have anything else on. They had given us these robes with our uh, well, our names and numbers on them, like from the jerseys. And Jeff Charleston wore that on the plane ride home. And I don't know why or the purpose, but I do remember that Jeff was still wearing that, and uh, we all got a good laugh out of it. I can't believe we're starting the whole week off with that story. That is unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that, that, that's a very distinctive memory for me of Jeff Carlson. Oh, my goodness. Um, more on what happened five years ago in a moment, but I do want to start our conversation off with what happened yesterday. What was your takeaway from Super Bowl Forty Nine and the Patriots winning yesterday? Well, I mean, it was a great game. Um, I think uh, both those teams showed a lot of mental toughness. I think, I think New England jumped out early, and I think that Seattle came back really strong. I think even talking to my dad this morning, it got to halftime, and I kind of felt like New England was kind of dominating that game, and it was tied. And I was like, mm, that's not good. You know, that's not a good sign for them. And I know Seattle um, is a very strong second-half team, have been for a long time. Uh, so I really thought, you know, it, it just, just the, the perseverance, the mental toughness that New England showed last night, um, obviously coming up with a big play uh, with their backs against the wall, and that's really what that game is usually about is, is who's going to make that play in, in the biggest moment. And um, it was it was exciting. It was fun to watch. Be honest. What did you do when Russell Wilson stepped backward to throw the football and second down there? Well, you, you know, I, I understand the, the, the confusion and the, you know, the second guessing of that. And, um, you know, the reality is, you know, Tom Brady's go ahead touchdown was on second and four and, LeGarrette Blount had been running the ball really well, breaking tackles, and they threw the ball, scored a touchdown on it, and no one thinks second, you know. And you know, at the end of the day, I think they they picked a play they thought was advantageous to them, and I think that the, that guy made man, he made an, an incredible read and break on the ball, and uh, made a huge play, you know. And it's very easy after the fact to say, well, you should have run it, and you know, maybe they should have, and maybe they feel like they they should today, but. Uh, I have a hard time second-guessing play calling, especially on a stage like that. I guess I'm a little surprised, uh, seeing as you're an offensive lineman and you guys like to uh, get in front of big backs like Marshawn Lynch. Well, and, and I mean, I understand that, and, and I do. And, 
Uh, and yet, you know, I've been in a system for, for nine years now where, you know, we, we got a guy back there that we trust and we're going to put him in positions in big games. And so I'm used to that kind of feeling of, you know, in a big moment, using the, using the quarterback to, to try to make a play. And look, you score a touchdown there. And the narrative today is on how great Russell Wilson is and how he did so good in that game. And, uh, you know, easy to second guess, but, uh, to be honest with you, it was uh, it sure made for an exciting ending. There's no doubt about that, and, and surprising, too. Um, was there anything else that surprised you, Zach, from your standpoint about yesterday's game, something that kind of jumped out at you a little bit? Um, you, you know, not necessarily. I think I think both teams kind of did what they, what they do. Um, you know, obviously, I think that the Patriots relied heavily on Brady, and he came up big for them and, and had a huge game and, you know, broke a – I think actually broke Drew's record for most completions in a, in a Super Bowl, and uh, you know, and, and the Seattle ran the ball really well, um, really stuck with that, and we're, we're really consistent with it. And there were some big plays and some some turnovers, and it's kind of what you expected personally. Now, if there's something you don't expect, it's for a uh, undrafted free agent rookie to make the biggest play of his life in the biggest moment imaginable. Um, that that to me is is the surprise in the game is just who stepped up and made that play and uh, to see kind of the emotions that he had, I think kind of, uh, kind of explained and described the amount of emotions I would go through after, after making a play like that. Do you watch the Super Bowl differently now than you did pre five years ago, Zach? Yeah. Um, I think knowing, knowing what it is, it makes it harder to watch. Um, I think before you've been in it, you don't, you know, it's, you don't you don't know what you're missing until you've until you've experienced it. And to be honest with you, the game itself, I kind of watched and didn't watch. You know, it wasn't something that I was really focused in on the whole game. And yet, for some reason, I found myself sitting down and watching the uh, the ceremony after the game, the presentations. The, you know, I think that's really kind of where that rush of emotions comes from. The game is feels so much like a game when you're in it, but that 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 moment afterwards, the confetti the families down on the field all those things that come with winning that game uh that those were really kind of the rushes that come back to me from that experience do you remember that vividly or is it a blur no i remember it very vividly what what i remember all i remember everyone i took pictures with i remember seeing my dad's face running out on the field i remember uh the locker room i I mean I, i really very vividly remember that you started off with the Jeff Charleston robe story, um, so it may be hard to top that. Um, you know, yeah. other than that, other than that moment at the end of the game that you described, I, I guess when people ask you the question that I'm about to ask you, um, what is the answer? And the question would be this: what What story do you think you find relating the most about Super Bowl Forty Four at this point? Um, you know, it's it's an interesting game. It's it, so many of the games as, as an athlete you play in, uh, as much as you think of your family and, and they're obviously, you know, my family's always been very supportive and they're around. I think to me, the thing that I remember more than anything was sharing that with them afterwards, seeing the excitement. Um, it's like, it's like you don't just achieve it for yourself or your team or your city. You achieve it for everyone that you've ever known. And that's really the way that that feels after the game is, anyone that has ever had any connection to you feels a sense of pride. And, and that's a very special thing to share. I mean, going back to your hometown after that, seeing how excited people are and 
seen your picture up in restaurants that you used to eat. And, you know, it's, it's amazing the scale of that game and, and the importance in America anymore with, with that game. And uh, those are the things I really, honestly, that stick out more than anything. I mean, the game itself, honestly, in the middle of the game, in the middle of it, feels very much like the last game. Um, you know, obviously there's moments when you realize you're going to win when Tracy took the ball off. That game no longer feels normal anymore. But um, it's really those moments that I shared with, with my family uh, after the game that, that really stick in my memory, that, that, the kind of feeling of, of sharing that with all the people that have had, had their hands in getting me to that moment. You talked about going back to your hometown. I, I, I can't help but think of the NHL when you tell a story like that. You know, the NHL Stanley Cup champion, each guy gets to take the Stanley Cup for a day. Um, and the stories that yep. come out of that are pretty unbelievable. Did you Were you able to do anything with the Lombardi Trophy that, A, you can share, or, B, that's worth sharing, I guess? No, and actually, uh, I remember Coach Payton kind of saying, I want to do that. I want, I want to give everybody this for a day. And there's, there was something that did not allow that. I, I personally, that to me is one of the greatest traditions in sports, um, something I think that every league should, should kind of emulate. Because um, you're right, there's so many great stories that come out of it. And again, like I said, there's a lot of people that have their hands in getting you to that position. I mean, I think anyone with any humility realizes that they didn't do it alone. And so to be able to share that with people and to like, give them that opportunity to see that and touch it and be up close with it, and um, I think would be a great, uh, a great way for really all sports leagues to kind of handle that. Um, I unfortunately didn't. And to be honest with you, that trophy – seems to stay in the hands of people far more important to me for a while. So I don't have any great stories about uh, my involvement with it after the fact, but, uh, you know, still a very special thing to, to, to have uh, memories of. Fair enough. I think that's very fair. Um, Zach, a lot of the guys that we'll talk to this week are either no longer playing football or are no longer with the Saints. You have the unique perspective as our guest here today to speak of being a Super Bowl champion, but also still – on the Saints' current roster, now as a starter and as a captain. And I'm curious as to the perspective that's giving you that's given you um, in being in that spot. Um, I, I think, for one, it gives you a very different drive and a very different desire because I have experienced it and I have been a part of a Super Bowl parade and I have come back to New Orleans and seen the excitement that it, that it brought to the city and, you know, I, I think it it kind of puts the onus on on those of us that were there, um, and there's you know there are a few. I mean Marcus and Pierre and Jari and you know Drew, th- those guys that were there to share that experience, to try and explain how great of a deal that is to motivate guys to get back there. Um, like I said, it's I think it's it's more. It's more of a career achievement thought before you've been. It's something that you want to do, a feather in your cap, something that you feel like that would be a neat thing to do in my career. And yet, once you've been there, you realize it's so much more than that. And I think it's on us, guys that, have, that, that were there and are still here, to try and share those experiences to get guys to understand just what a big deal it is and just how much work it takes and, and the type of dedication and attention to detail that's going to be necessary to go back and do it again it's you know like i said it's hard to watch when you've been when you know what those guys are experiencing and when you know what they're feeling it's very difficult to see it and and not be a part of it so 
that's kind of what I take out of it. That's the difference in perspective that I have is I'm still chasing that feeling again. And once you know that feeling, um, you, you know that it's very worth chasing. And, and with that being said, Zach, how long does a team, whether it be the Saints or now New England or anybody else, how long, in hindsight now, does a team, I guess, continue and say, well, that's the way we did it when we won it all, and at what point do you have to chart a new course, or do you? Is there a balance? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, there's things that, look, there's things that are different every year. There's things on every team that are different, and that's more of a personnel and a and, uh, uh, you know, the, how you're attacking your schemes, those things change every year because the teams are different. I think that what it takes to get there never changes. I think it takes tremendous dedication. I think it takes finding the right people who are selfless enough to make the sacrifices that are necessary to be that great of a team. And, you know, those things, the doing little things right, Again, I keep saying attention to detail. The the mindset and the and the mental toughness and fortitude that's required to play at that level through an entire season and make it to that game, I think it's the same every year. The teams that do it are all the same. They they have all of those attributes, and you know the other stuff, the scheme and stuff. Um, I, I feel like is is always okay. It's always good enough. Um, it's and and it's honestly it's the easiest thing to change is what you're doing and how you're doing it. What's hard is is getting 53 guys, and really at the end of the year, it's probably 65 guys when it's all said and done that have that same mental fortitude to have that type of discipline for a full season. That and that that doesn't change. As always, fantastic. I really enjoy our visit, Zach. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you having me, Sean. You got it, Zach Streif, everybody, Super Bowl champion and still captain of the New Orleans Saints. Jeff Charleston with Daniel Salerson over here in the studio in just a moment as we continue on this Monday. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Mardi Gras is just around the corner, and Shreveport Bossier City invites you to experience Mardi Gras in the Arklatex, starting with the Crew of Centaur Parade on Saturday, February 7th. Cap it off with a crew of Gemini Parade on Saturday, February 14th. Check out hotels and other things to do at Shreveport-Bosier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue going down memory lane as part of the five-year anniversary of the Saints winning the Super Bowl in Miami. And joining me now is Saints defensive end Jeff Charleston, who is a part of that team. Jeff, uh, thanks for coming to Studio B. Thank you for having me. All right, Jeff, I just want to start off first a pretty simple one. Your favorite memory from the Super Bowl? Oh, favorite memory. Um, definitely when the Lombardi um, was being passed, You know, basically coming through the crowd as players. Um, at that moment, you know, it's, it's, there's no words to describe it. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I mean, that would definitely have to be the, the, the start of the best moments. Okay, well, let's start with the beginning. When you guys arrive in Miami that week, what is it like for you as far as your emotions? Or is it nerves? Is it excitement? Is it anxiety? You want the game to go? What are, what are you and the team, what's your emotions like when you approach and you land in Miami? Definitely all of the above. Yeah. Your, you know, your family's coming down. Everyone's coming to party. Um, you know, you have a lot of fans from New Orleans that are making that trip. But at the same time, you know, even when you get to the stadium, a lot of it's filled of non-fans, of, right. you know, of the teams. And you're getting ready for the biggest game of your life. And there's so many distractions from family to parties to everything that you're just trying to you, know, you focus on the biggest game of your life and minimize the distractions. So there's definitely a anxiety where you just like, I want this thing to start. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, you're trying to study your opponent as much as possible. You have two weeks to do it. And, uh, you know, you're trying to fit it all in. And how does it like when you have deal with media day, you have practices when you get there, is it more just, okay, let's deal with all this media stuff. And then you guys focus on the team. How do you guys divvy up that week leading up to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Super Bowl, you got two weeks the week before you're, you know, you're at your home, your home, we were in New Orleans. And then, uh, the next week you travel, we were in Miami. We got there Monday. Um, you have a practice, you go through stuff. Tuesday is your media day. I mean, you, you have all the media, you have all that, but they kind of sit one day to do media. You practice, your schedule is typically the same, um, but you're all staying in a hotel the entire week. So you actually have more time, more meetings, um, you know, and Coach Payton didn't take a light on us. We had full padded practice that Wednesday. Uh, it was 85 degrees in Miami, and especially late in the postseason, you don't practice that hard, but he, I mean, he really put it to us, and it was great. All right, so you get to the day of the game, you're playing the game, you have all these pregame ceremonies, you have the halftime, you have to deal with all this stuff. What was coach what was coach's message to you and how do you deal with all that knowing that, you know, 45 minutes to go from the game, you have all these pregame, you know, concerts, national anthem, and then at halftime it's a lot longer than a normal game. How do you all how did you all deal with it? What was coach's message to you um, when having to worry about these kind of distractions? He def- definitely prepared us from a detail standpoint that there were no surprises. We knew everything that was coming, so we prepared for it. Um, we knew, you know, we talked about things we were going to do with it longer halftime. Um, and, you know, at that, the, his main message, though, on driving it through was you don't want to be on that losing side. Mm-hmm. You will see how, fa- you know, you'll never forget it. You will see how fast they get swept away. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on the field for maybe 60 seconds right. before they're, they're pushed into the locker room. So you just, you know, you, you paid attention to every detail and didn't, you know, let anything slip away. All right, so you get to the game down 10-6 to 6 at halftime. What was Coach's message in the halftime locker room, and what were your thoughts on the first half leading into the second? Um, first half, we, you know, we failed to score a touchdown. We scored um, two field goals. Right. Um, we kept you know, Peyton Manning to 10 points. So defensively, um, they were moving the ball, but we felt we were uh, doing a good job. Um, you know, we knew we were in the game at that point, but his first words, I don't even know how long it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> uh, it was pretty soon that he said he was doing ambush. Yeah. Um, that we were going to do the onside kick. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was very silent, but it was a um, silent confidence. You know, uh, I, I know guys not on the special teams unit were probably pretty nervous because mm-hmm. they didn't they, they were risking uh, the outcome of the game on one play. And, you know, it wasn't it's not your starting offense or defense. It's doing it right. It's your special teams unit. Yep. So 
but everyone had confidence in each other, uh, and it was executed properly. Did you expect Coach to be calling that Super Bowl at the half? Um, were, was the team working on it all week? Uh, what were your thoughts when he said, okay, let's do this? We had practiced it all season, basically. Yeah. And the the surprising thing is, is how confident Thomas More said was with the whole process, mm-hmm. being a rookie, being his first year kicking off, um, you know, being a punter, it's typically you're not in that role. But we, we did it so many times in practice, so many times a week that, you know, we were ready for it. We didn't expect him to call it right. at that moment. We were expecting mm-hmm. it a lot, but a lot sooner. But, you know, you're if it's in the playbook, you're expected to execute it. Okay, when the team executed it, start of the second half that momentum starts to change is that when your team starts to say okay we can do this we can fight for that i mean there's still a lot of game to be played here uh it wasn't it wasn't a determining factor where we were just like okay we won right but it was that momentum swing that was needed that Mm -hmm. it just gave us confidence and it showed the rest of the game you know we go on to score 31 total points and uh, you know they only scored another touchdown at that point so it definitely uh, gave us some swagger Absolutely. Um, so the game ends, Super Bowl champions. Is it kind of a blur once all the confetti starts coming down? There's so many people on the field. Everyone's high-fiving each other, your team's celebrating. What's that moment like when the clock hits zero and you guys know that you're the Super Bowl champions? First thing that I did was um, actually got Bobby McCray before, before it hit zero, and I said, we're dumping Gatorade on him. So mm-hmm. we went and grabbed the thing, dumped it on him, you, you know, everyone's basically high-fiving, hugging, hitting each other. And you go out, you know, the Lombardi comes out, your family's on the field. There's a thousand reporters. Um, You still remember all of it, but at the same time, you know, I think we were on there for like, on the field for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. You didn't want to go in the locker room. You didn't want it to end. But then you get on, you know, you get in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, it's, you remember everything. It's a blur at the same time, though. Your adrenaline's through the roof. So what's after? We're not going into too much detail. Uh, the after party is just a celebration. Just what was that like with your teammates? Uh, what kind of, I don't say what kind of things did you do, but just uh, talk about the celebration afterwards. Um, we had, you know, and it's all, pl- it's planned for the whole entire week, you know, because okay. you can't, you're not just going to, um, you know, from an event organization standpoint, you're not just going to have people, oh, you know, we won, let's throw a party now. Right. Like this is planned before the game even ends. So uh, at, we were sta- at the hotel we were staying, you know, there was a big team party, you know, Kenny Chesney was performing, you know, they bring, uh, you know, um, people are popping champagne, you know, the family's there, everyone's there. And it's, it's just, you know, what, kind of what you can expect right. from a Super Bowl celebration yeah. as a team. But, you know, that was just the start of it because as, after we get back, uh, what was that Monday morning, um, we get back to New Orleans. I mean, there's a mini parade there. Yeah. There's so many people. And that was happening that season where everyone was at the airport kind of waiting for us to come mm-hmm. back. Um, I mean, that was that was just packed there. You know, I don't even know, 5,000, 10,000 people there. And then two days after that, we have the parade in New Orleans. Two days after that, it's Mardi, Mardi Gras. Gras. Yeah. So, I mean. Did I you mean, get any sleep? <laughs> not at all. I mean, I had college roommates and teammates that uh, – just showed up, you know, everyone, everyone was coming down yeah. to enjoy the celebration, especially for new Orleans. Like yeah, everyone was cheering for us. Right. You know, we were the underdog in it, but everyone was cheering for the team that they wanted. The nation wanted to see us win. And it was, I mean, it was unbelievable. New Orleans, the city itself changed. Um, you know, finally the team finally deserved the respect they needed. Yep. 
last thing, talk about the parade because a lot of people talk about how big the crowd was. Some people estimated like over 800,000 people were out there celebrating for the Saints' victory. Just talk about the parade when you're riding on those floats, the beads. You know, you have Mardi Gras right around the corner. Just talk about how cool of a moment that was to be celebrating with the with the city once you get back. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, it's the, the closest thing any guy will probably ever have to being – uh, like the Beatles mm-hmm. to being a rock yeah. star because I mean it was just unbelievable I mean there, there might have been a track of f- four songs on a CD that were Saints songs that mm-hmm. either you know uh, that were going on that that season mm-hmm. um, and uh, they played over and over and over but they didn't get old yeah you know you li- and we were expecting maybe two hours on the parade at most uh, you know two and a half hours and I think we ended up being on the parade for like five hours yeah um, you <laughs> know, a lot it, of time on one float. Yeah. And it ended in Mardi Gras world and you know, it's, it, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I can't even really describe how, like how amazing it was, but I mean, everyone that was there knows. Yeah. Such a, such a cool moment, um, for this city that Saints defensive end, former Saints defense event, Jeff Charleston, uh, Jeff really appreciate you coming in here in studio B and thanks for sharing the memories with us. Of course. Thank you. More black and blue report in one minute. Grab your bell-bottoms and go back to the days of disco for 70s night at the Smoothie King Center. Join us as your Pelicans face off against Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday, February 4th at 7 p.m. The first 3,000 fans will receive a Pelicans yo-yo, and you won't want to miss the amazing Christopher and his life-size dancing village people puppets at halftime. Tickets are still available, so call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As we mentioned earlier, we are gearing up for a big game tonight at the Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans welcome in the red-hot Atlanta Hawks, who have won 19 in a row. That is uh, coming off of, of course, a 17-0 January, which is an NBA record. And speaking of record setters, it's the voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman, to join us. First of all, Steve, uh, welcome back to our fair city, and Congratulations on Sportscaster of the Year for the state of Georgia this time around. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it only took me about 35 years in Georgia to, uh, to go ahead and win it, but, uh, but much appreciated. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, speaking of the of the of the award, were you were you surprised? I guess after three decades plus, uh, is this something that had been on your radar before that you'd hoped for, or did this surprise you? No, I, you know, I really hadn't thought about it too much because I figured I was just being relegated to uh, Susan Lucci status, you know. So, uh, I, uh, but I ended up getting it, and, uh, and uh, you know, the good thing about it is it's voted on by people in, the, in your own business, so that's really good too. It's outstanding. By the way, what is it like to win 19 in a row? You know, it's it's been almost uh, unreal a little bit because they just keep coming, and uh, you know, one after another after another, and a lot of them have been, you know not even close games uh it, it's just amazing how it how it works the, the closest call probably was the game 
Saturday night against a team that you wouldn't figure in Philadelphia. Uh, they actually came and took the lead with about three minutes left in the game, and the Hawks had to come back and, and go on a 10-2 to run to win it. But, uh, it's just been like a well-oiled machine, as they like to say in sports. And, uh, you know, they just go out there. The great thing about them is I, I, I don't think any of our guys would know it's games right now unless you told them. They just go out one after another and just do their thing. And, uh, you know, whether they're home or away, they just go out and play. And, uh, you know, they figure if you're going to beat them, you beat them. And if not, they're going to do their thing. As as probably their closest observer, Steve, do you find yourself going into the gym each night thinking, oh, we're just going to stick another one on the board here? Or do you find yourself going, well, you know, this could be the one that trips us up? Well, I've, I've had that thought a few times, uh, you know, during this, this streak. And, you know, a lot of it was when we were out west. Uh, you know, we went into uh, Portland and won. And then the next game was in Los Angeles against the Clippers. And, you know, that was kind of early in the streak. And you start to say, well, gee, this, you know, these guys are, are pretty good. <laughs> you know, and they, they were 5-5 five and five to start the season, which is even, I think, more incredible at this point uh, that they've gone 35-3 and three since that point. So uh, something clicked up for them. I think it was defense that did it. And it, uh, and it turned things right around for them once they decided they were going to play defense. When we saw you guys, was it November, I guess? The Hawks beat the Pelicans by nine. And I thought to myself, hey, this could be a pretty good team. Um, but I guess I just didn't see this at that point. And maybe you didn't either. Um, what clicked and when was it? Well, I think it was right after that five and five stretch. Uh, I think Coach Bud, uh, Coach Budenholzer said to them, uh, look, you're five and five. Uh, you know, we're not playing a lot of defense right now. We can be a 500 team if you want, or if you want to play defense, we can be pretty good. So I think they kind of took that to heart from that point on and uh, have gone on this incredible streak since then. And, uh, and they've done it with defense that turns into the offense. But uh, one of the great things about that offense, it's, you know, it's the San Antonio based system. And, uh, you know, you can plug one guy in and no matter who's on the floor, they're going to run the same play pretty much the same way. So, uh, I think that's got a lot to do with the success, too. And, and they've been relatively healthy. I mean, the first major injury happened the other night with Tavo Sepulosa going out, and uh, he's going to be out with a calf strain for six to eight weeks. So that's something that's going to hurt because he was a you know key part of the rotation. Out of all the guys that have come off of the Greg Popovich coaching tree, why has Budenholzer been able to make them most look like the Spurs? Well, I, you know, I think out of all those guys that have come out, he might have the, you know, the best players, which certainly helps coaches all the time. But I think adding Al, you know, last year you could see that they were going to be okay, and then Al, Al Horford got hurt, missed 52 games, uh, and then they, they just barely got into the playoffs but gave Indiana a seven-game series, and they feel like they should have won that series. Uh, but so I, I think going in, knowing that Al was coming back, was going to be a big addition to the team. And, uh, you know, all of us around the team, I, you know, I kept telling people this summer, I said, you know, I think if we stay healthy, you know, we're going to be pretty good. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything like this was going to be happening, but uh, I certainly thought they were going to be better than most of the, uh, you know, preseason prognosticators thought. I, I figured they were going to be in the 45 to the 50 win range most likely. Steve Holman, voice of the Atlanta Hawks, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Um, I won't be doing it tonight, but I, I can't think of two better guys to root for in Paul Mel Millsap and Kyle Korver. Uh, those guys are having a phenomenal season, and I'm really happy for them. Uh, they are, and, and, you know, Kyle's on that incredible streak right now where he's got a chance to be the first 50-50-90 person, 50% three-point, 50% from the field, and 90% on, on free throws. Uh, and Paul Millsap, I mean – he just quietly goes out there, and, and during the streak, he is 
probably saved the Hawks half a dozen times in that streak. So, I mean, he just puts the team on his back sometimes when things aren't going well. And, and he's so quiet. He's so, you know, what a, a great guy he is, too. And, you know, I think that's one of the keys, too, for, the, for this team, the success they've had is that, uh, you know, when they put it together, they put it together with all good guys. They went out and got a certain type of player that they wanted, uh, not only on the on the court, but off the court, too. So it's, it's you know, chemistry. Some people say it's overrated. I don't think so. I think this chemistry is is really uh, pretty good with this team. And, and maybe that leads into my next question. How does a 40-8 and eight team not have a starter on the Eastern Conference All-Star squad and maybe only two reserves? Well, uh, well, uh, we're going to have three right now, maybe four, oh. if they decide they're going to add uh, Corbett. Okay. Uh, but the fan vote, though, uh, you know, I sort of expected that they weren't going to get a lot of attention because they, they don't get any attention nationally. And, uh, you know, but the coaches who see them every night and watch tape for a living, you know, I think they knew. So, uh, you know, they put them on, and uh, I don't think our guys feel like they were snubbed by the public at all because, you know, really, I mean, we've been kind of operating as the witness protection team for a lot of years. So uh, I guess I can't blame the public for not catching on right away. But once the All-Star game comes, they're going to get a good look at our guys. And, you know, the coaching staff is going to be there, too, from the East. So uh, I think that may, you know, get us a little bit more familiar with people. All right, Steve, you've been doing this a really long time, so you as much as anybody else knows that this won't go on forever. What kind of a team... It won't? Yeah, yeah, come on. Uh, What kind of a team will end this streak, and and, and is there a timing situation that goes into this thing? Well, I think as it goes on every night, too, I've been seeing that, you know, every team, including Philadelphia the other night, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, want to be the one to break the streak, and I, I, you know, I could see... you know, the same thing happening tonight where they're going to go out and try to, to do that. But it, it could happen here very easily because, you know, the, the big guy is having such a good season. I guess he's back tonight, right? He's listed as probable. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably a sound. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's the, the the Pelicans are the type of team. And, uh, you know, the way you guys are going right now, I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't a 17 in all month, but I, you guys had a really good January, too. So, uh, you know, it, it, tonight would be one of those uh, scenarios where it definitely could happen. All right, so what is the big storyline as you prepare for tonight's game then, Steve? Well, you know, the streak, and now it's turning into February, and, uh, you know, 40 wins. They won 38 all of last year, so that's that's kind of, you know, and how they're going to handle Anthony Davis if he plays, and I'm, I'm assuming that he will. Uh, our coaches think he will, so uh, getting ready to go to shoot around and see what, what they've got up their sleeves for him. Perfect. As always, we uh, treasure the visit, and uh, thanks, and uh, – I am sorry about the weather here today, Steve. I know most folks like to come down here and have a little spring in their step, but uh, it is more like winter today. Oh, it's not winter here for, for us. This is nice. I was out already this morning. Nice walk. And, uh, it's beautiful. I love, I, love it. I love it here. Perfect, perfect. Well, congratulations again on the honor, and uh, keep riding this streak until at least 7 o'clock tonight. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. We'll see you tonight. You got it. Steve Holman, the voice of the Atlanta Hawks, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. In just a moment, we'll continue. about the tradition of it all. Even though Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew scratch off from the lottery, you could be feeling like a king with up to $3,000 or even $12,000 in your back pocket. Stop and pick up Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew today. Now that's better than the good beads, baby. 
Must be at least 21 to purchase. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool, collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. This is Pelicans guard Eric Gordon, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Should be a great time tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Pelicans and Hawks, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm really looking forward to broadcasting tonight's basketball game. I really think the Pelicans are the team that are going to take down the Hawks and end their winning streak, stop it at 19. And then that would set things up for Wednesday against Oklahoma City and a wrap to a very successful six-game homestand. Uh, some tickets are available still for tonight, uh, 504-525-HOOP or pelicans.com. Jim Eichenhofer uh, from pelicans.com is on the show tomorrow. Daniel Salerson will be your host uh, for the Black and Blue Report. And our conversation about Super Bowl 44 and the Saints World Championship continues tomorrow as uh, Daniel will have Scott Shanley on and we'll also visit with David Thomas tomorrow as well. Again, that series continues all week long, so don't make, uh, make sure you don't miss any of the episodes this week of the Black and Blue Report. They're easy to get to, of course. It's no appointment radio. It's available to you usually afternoon central on weekdays, and um, it's when you're ready for it. And, of course, you'll find it on iTunes for free at uh, the – desktop websites of NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com, and then really, really readily available on your mobile device at either the Pelicans app or the Saints app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. The uh, show always has uh, something to say about their lineup each day, at Black Blue Report. That's the Twitter handle. And then you can follow me on Twitter, at Sean Kelly Live. I'll let Daniel pass along his information tomorrow on a Tuesday. So, again, today, thanks to Zach Streif, um, and uh, Steve Holman today for stopping by. Jeff Charleston, too. Uh, great time telling some good stories. And uh, we'll go get those hawks tonight here at Smoothie King Center. Until uh, later on tonight or until tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your Monday and so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.